Nutrition is remarkable in its ability to have people with completely opposite views saying they have science to support completely opposite views. Frustrating, isn't it? What are we supposed to believe? Welcome to Dynamism Biohacker. My name is Dr. Matt Hammett, wellness and nutrition expert, lifestyle trainer, and movement enthusiast. And each week, I'm going to share with you how to make the right nutritious choices despite conflicting expert opinions, where I help you to discover how to unlock your inner aborigine or your inner greatness. Thank you for spending this time with me today. So let's get into the training. In our last show, I talked about the parable of the marine biologist. Let me revisit that parable. A young woman walked up to a marine biologist and asked her to help her get her pet dolphin who appeared ill. And the woman continued to point to a shark and asked her to cut up and study everything she could about the shark to formulate a pharmacology product to give to the dolphin. The marine biologist looked perplexed. That is absurd. In fact, pseudoscience, this is a shark. I should study the dolphin, she said. The marine biologist, along with any geneticist or zoologist, would agree. What algorithm, what formula could they develop that will safeguard the health of the dolphin if the research was based on the physiology of a shark. This is ridiculous. Study the dolphin, added the marine biologist. Why? They both live in the ocean. They are both a fish, replied the young woman. It is a totally different species. It has a completely different genome, and it has a totally different genetic code. In fact, no biologist, geneticist, zoologist, or scientist would study a different species and recommend a pharmacology product for the physiology and genetic code of a different species anywhere in the world for any reason, cried the marine biologist. You might as well ask me to study a snail to treat an angelfish, snapped the marine biologist. The young woman stared in confusion and asked an obvious question. So why are we studying rats, mice, rabbits, and others to formulate pharmacology for humans? Did you get the parable? Now, let me gently tell you that I do see the great value of rat science, including the enormous amounts of scientific data we now have, thanks to our current methodologies. I also honor the scientists who study rats. I have some close friends who do so, and I wholeheartedly believe they are providing the baseline for our advancement in science. I am only reporting what my experience has been with the literature, the competition that exists between scientists and clinicians when they try to validate a study becomes varied by so many factors. In my scientific journey, I cannot agree that a rat is a high qualitative standard when it comes to human health. I also know that every scientist agrees that we'd be better off studying humanity for humanity, not a rat for humanity. Again, for those committed to this type of science, I honor you and thank you because your work is very important. 
My point is this. Humans have been studying thousands of different species for several years, and we have many specialized PhDs and numerous disciplines that study each aspect of science. In fact, again, trying to compromise a list of specialists that do this would be a painstaking task. In, in ecology and every known species known to man, no one studies a different species to try to understand the anatomy, physiology, genetics, nutrition, and all the other scientific aspects. To think that rats and other animals are similar to humans matters not. When we study the earthworm, you study the earthworm. When we study a rabbit, you won't study a frog. Could it be that comparing the biology of a rat species to a human species is simply the wrong paradigm? Take a moment and reread the statistics about modern medicine, perhaps extrapolating data from other animal species and trying to compare that with humans is simply the wrong paradigm when we have the technology to study healthy human subjects from our ancient human ancestors and comparing that with our modern hunter-gatherer humans exhibiting exceptional levels of health. Perhaps the sickness-disease-based care on the diseases of civilization is simply the wrong paradigm regarding finding solutions for the prevention and treatment of chronic disease. And that leads us to our next dynamism biohack, the species-wide concept. Dynamism is the enthusiastic quality or charism that dynamic people possess that characterizes them by their vigorous action and progress. They step outside that it's genetic cliche, the blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach into what I call true health. This is the health class your doctor doesn't know, the wellness prevention and health promotion solution, how to get and stay well for a lifetime. That's dynamism. Let me explain it to you this way. If you were to expand our vision of healthcare, not just based on sickness and disease, but on the true drivers and activators of health, we would have a true healthcare system that deals with both the study of pathology and the study of human healthology. And now you are beginning to look at biology through a different set of lens. So let's focus our lens on this next concept of health promotion I call the species-wide concept. The species-wide concept is a health driver attribute because it explains how each particular species on planet Earth has a blueprint that is specific to that species. It has a specific set of genetic requirements and upon that blueprint lays the foundational raw requirements for that species. So let me illustrate this using an example from nighttime creatures or nocturnal creatures. Yes, I'm going to go all geeky, Star Trek kind of nerdy again, but I think you will enjoy this one. I know I do. Nocturnal creatures, well, they have highly developed senses of hearing, smell, and specially adapted eyesight. And it makes perfect sense, right? They need to be able to hunt and see in the dark. And some animals, such as cats and ferrets, well, they have eyes that can adapt to both low-level and bright-day levels of illumination. Others, such as bush babies and some bats, can function only at night. And so these animals have a larger cornea to pick up low-level light when they hunt at night. And these specialized adaptations, called nocturnally, even help certain types of wasp avoid hunting in intense sunlight. 
Now, while most humans are, you know, what's the term? The, the, the nighttime is nocturnal. So most humans are, for the daytime, going to be called diurnal, right? And so for various personal and social cultural reasons, some people are temporarily or habitually nocturnal. <laughs> Do you know of any? So on a serious note, you may ask why that is. Well, a recent study attempts to answer the question as to why so many modern-day mammals retain these nocturnal characteristics even though they are not active at night. And several survival adaptations are one of the causes of these evolutionary adaptations. So hawks and owls can hunt the same field for the same rodents without conflict because hawks are diurnal and owls are nocturnal. So these specialized adaptations mean that they are in competition for each other's prey. Nocturnally is a form of crypsis, an adaptation to avoid or enhance predation. And one of the reasons that lions prefer to hunt at night is that many of their prey species, the zebra, the antelope, impala, wild beasts, etc., have poor night vision. Many species of small rodents, such as the large Japanese field mouse, Right? They're active at night because most of the dozen or so birds of prey that hunt them are diurnal. There are many diurnal species that exhibit some nocturnal behaviors. For you know, example, many seabirds and sea turtles only gather at breeding sites or colonies at night to reduce the risk of predation to themselves and their offspring. Another reason for nocturnally is avoiding the heat of the day. The avoidance of heat it's especially true in arid biomes like deserts where nocturnal behavior prevents creatures from losing precious water during the hot, dry daytime. And in these cases, nocturnally is an adaptation that enhances osmoregulation. One of the reasons that lions prefer to hunt at night is to conserve water. Many plant species native to arid biomes have adapted so that their flowers only open at night when the sun's intense heat cannot wither and destroy their most their moist, delicate blossoms. Bats, another creature of the night, pollinate these flowers. The point is this. If we radically change the conditions on planet Earth to force a nocturnal bat to live and hunt in the daylight, it would stress the bat. It would be a genetically incongruent action that would stress the bat. If that action was permanent for whatever reason, it might kill the bat. That would be a specific stressor to the bat and all bats of that particular species. So it's a species-wide phenomena. Also, if we examine how we create scientific experiments, if you were studying a diurnal species such, such as a human, would it make sense to study a nocturnal eye and then formulate a pharmaceutical product from that research for a human? Now, don't answer that question too quickly. You might think that scientists are smarter than that. I don't want to give it away yet. I have more development to do first. But for now, I want you to think the way I am thinking about science. I want you to understand that there are many holes to this stuff we call science when we try to switch out one species for another like a rat for a human which is our current modern scientific methodology predominantly 
So let me get back to our story with nocturnally to help really shape this concept for you because it is important to understand this species-wide concept we are talking about here because it will help you discern through the confusing expert opinions that are out there. Nocturnally of species is a evolutionary adaptation. Just one example I'm using to help explain the species-wide concept. I will be using the term adaptation all throughout this training because it explains why our environment is the absolute importance regarding our so-called genetic fate. More on that later in the training. So what if there are bats in Alaska where there is hardly any night? Well, I'm not sure about Alaska, but not all species of bats are nocturnal. That's true. Science believes that this is due to a long-term natural adaptive environmental situation. You know, in nature, biological adaptation takes thousands of years to develop. This is one of the complicated reasons mankind's interference with nature is so dangerous. One example of this interference comes from transforming natural biology into synthetic biology. Another example would be genetic engineering, like taking a bat gene and inserting it into a human to try to make a human see in the dark. You know, humanity has changed the natural evolution of our environment and has created a synthetic biology. A synthetic biology is quite complicated. For, so for our purposes, I'm calling it a man-made device that attempts to trick our natural biology in an artificial way. The problem with this technique, as reported by many shunned scientists all over the world, is that our genome and our DNA had never been exposed to such a device until after World War I, when the chemical revolution began. This device in our biology, many of them toxins and carcinogens, are not adapted to our genome and therefore act as a stressor or a toxin and it taxes our health. What you need to take from this is that it takes thousands of years for DNA to adapt. By reason then, we simply do not know the detrimental impact creating a synthetic biology or engineering our DNA has had on our planet or our species. And for this reason among others, Many scientists and researchers in the natural health arena warn and fight against these solutions. So the species-wide concept in ecology says that whatever you do to a specific species, you do to all other members of that species. It can and often does lead to extinction. Humans are not exempt to these natural laws. There are a few rules we need to cover to understand the species-wide concept. Rule number one, it must be genetically congruent for all members of the species. A sloth sleeps for 10 hours a day. Give it less sleep, that's stressful to the sloth. A koala bear, well, it lives in one tree and it's one leaf in that tree. Anything else would be stressful to the koala bear. Changing their environment would be detrimental to its species. And that is for all koalas and all sloths, because it is a species-wide phenomena. Understand? The genome of a particular species is a decisive factor in determining what the nutrition 
or nutrient requirements are of that species. This concept is true for humans as it is for all other species on the planet. In humans, we all require the same foundational raw materials for our genes to express health. We have specific genetic needs that must be provided by our lifestyle choices and how we interact with our environment. Incongruent genetic lifestyle choices cause stressors or toxins that can accumulate within our biology and limit our health potential and promote disease. Does our current scientific methodologies respect natural law and the species-wide concept? Of course not. This is why I'm proposing the need for a new healthcare model. In fact, later in this training, I'm going to get all geeky and Star Trek nerdy again and go through what many shunned scientists and physicians are saying about animal research. I'm going to explain how species differences create anamorphic results that can harm humans if applied to humans. In fact, I'm going to pour through some of the literature and and look into some of these mechanisms that scientists have overlooked. Look, look for my show about animal research upcoming here soon. The bottom line is this. If we... If we can know various aspects of different species of, you know, fossilized dinosaurs and learn how they ate, how they moved, what they thought about, how they connected with each other and cope with stress, you know, caused by common dangers and predators, then within reason, of course, we can use these same technologies to shed some light about human beings. So there are various branches of scientists that have compared notes. And they've organized a solution that is doing just that. The ancestral health movement, evolutionary biologists, functional medicine, and lifestyle chiropractic scientists are conducting research all over the globe to do just that. Much of this research aided my discovery to the simple strategic approach to lifestyle changes that I call the five pillars of a dynamic health. And it has provided the scientific evidence needed to propose a new model of healthcare. In the next Dynamism Biohack, we will explore this new model with brand new concepts from different research and various academic and branches of science that I've linked up in a unique way to give us a clear image of more accurate science methodologies and what we should pay attention to and what we should sigh away from. We already discussed it before. Always ask the question when some expert quotes scientific studies. Always ask, was it human? Until next time, lighten up, move better, and live fuller. If you are a current patient in our office, I love you. Thank you so much for your confidence in us. If you are not a patient, I certainly would love to meet you someday. Go to our website, newlifefamilychiropractic.net. And also, I just want to remind everyone that we got the same 24 hours in a day. I'm no busier than you are, but if your goal is to live a happier, healthier, and fuller life, you've got to learn to manage yourself. And that means managing your movement, which drives your energy. When we better manage our energy, we're better able to be more present and vibrant and enjoy our life. We're better able to manage our five pillars of a dynamic health. You deserve a life that is peaceful, that is balanced, that is happy, where you have tons of good health. 
the health that you need, the health that is on demand when you need it most. You see, because health doesn't come to you, it comes from you. It is a fruit that is grown and earned. And I know we all heard the genetic cliche, the blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach. But the truth is, the solution doesn't lie with more drugs and surgeries. The solution lies with you. You know it's not so much of a healthcare crisis as it is a self-care crisis in our world today. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I love you. I love hearing from you. So don't forget to reach out to me. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Do so by whatever is your favorite social media platform. Send me a message there. Let me know that you listened to this episode and what you thought of it. And as always, I appreciate it in advance anyone who is kind enough to write a review. That is the ultimate gift. I appreciate you very much for that. I love spending this time with you. I'm Dr. Matt Hammett reminding you to lighten up, move better, and live fuller. Until next, Dynamism Biohack.